Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 39 of the Indie 11 podcast with myself, Brendan Griffiths. And first of all, I want to say thank you so much to everyone who listened to episode 38 with Tony. I've gotten a lot of great feedback from it, and I think it was an, an awesome episode, chock full of, of great stuff. So if you haven't listened to that, I would encourage you to, to go back and check that out. Tony's a currently the striker for a professional club in in California called the Cal United Strikers. And we have a a great episode talking about his career and, you know, some of the roadblocks he's hit in his career, how he got to the pro game and what it really takes to get there. So definitely go check that out. And while I always say how much I'm, I'm proud of each and every episode I put out, because I am, I, I would encourage anyone to go and listen to all 38 episodes if you're if you're brand new to the podcast here. But this one that you're about to listen to, I am incredibly excited for and, and feel really honored that I was able to to have a guest like this on the show and, and be able to share that with all of you, be able to share his story. I have another player for you this week. His name is Armis Kuzin, and he has a tremendous story from from playing in the States to going overseas and, and everything in between. And I don't want to spoil anything now, but I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you listen to this episode. It is a really, really great story. So thank you all of you who have listened, have supported the podcast. And I am so grateful that I've been able to, to continue to do this and have these tremendous conversations week in and week out with some truly amazing and inspiring people. So without further ado, I will kick it on over to myself and Armis. So here it is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back episode 38 today another special guest in the 11 with us we have Aramis Cuisine and it was funny before we uh got on to the episode here we were talking just about I think it's interesting how small the soccer world is like because I kind of had heard of you via Zach Sabatandira who I know coached you and coached me as well and he speaks very highly of you and then also I coached your younger brother when I coached for a year when I was in Philly Andre and I think now that I think of it, if I'm not mistaken, there was one time when you were home and you were like a linesman for one of our games when we didn't have a ref. Yeah. I remember yeah, seeing and Andre said something about, oh, my brother can do it. He's a ref because, you know, naturally in youth soccer in the States, it's like, yeah. okay, we don't have a ref. Like, what are we going to do? So <laughs> it's just, it's cool how the, how world, the, the soccer world is so small, like, especially as you go up and up and up and, but thank you so much for being on and I'm looking forward to this one. No, thank you for having me. And yeah, I think I made like 30 bucks from just like standing there. Doing yeah. A terrible job on the sideline. <laughs> Stand there to hold up a flag. You know, you can't complain yeah, too much. Exactly. All right. So you originally born in Canada, right? But you grew up and had most of your youth career in the States. Yeah. So I was born in Canada. I was born in uh, Toronto, but I really only lived there for about 10 months of my life. Um, the rest of my time throughout basically my entire youth period was split between Moscow and Philadelphia. Okay. Moscow, Russia, that is, yeah. Okay. How many years did you live in Russia for? Um, about six and a half, seven years. 
Gotcha. And was, was that when you was, first were introduced to football or was it first in the States? Yeah, it was first uh, in, in Russia. So when I was uh, young, I was actually like a basketball player. Like I was obsessed with basketball. I was obsessed with Jordan, mm-hmm. like uh, as a kid, like as a baby even. Um, and so when I went to Russia, I was, I was actually playing at a really high level as like a six, seven year old. I was playing a couple years up, like on the best basketball team in the country. So I was doing well, but I got... I don't know like all of my friends just played football and everything like that so you just kind of sort of drift towards that and then I yeah just basically became then like my favorite thing to do so yeah that's interesting because like who knows if you've been in the states where basketball is so much bigger here like who knows where that career path would have led you (laughs) I actually I actually went to kindergarten with Alan Iverson's son and we would play one-on-one together wow Yeah, it was an interesting time. But yeah, I mean, basketball is like kind of what introduced me to sports. And then I didn't even know what football was. So I moved to Russia. Like, I'm pretty sure like I had no clue that that's even a thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it was good. Awesome. So then when you were in the States, did you live always kind of in the Philly area? Yeah, so I mean, I grew up like on like the main line, I guess, is what it's called. It's like the main kind of, or not the main, but it's one of the big suburbs of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pretty much just always lived there. Uh, we had a house from the time I was, I don't know, about eight years old there that uh, even while we were living in Russia, every summer we'd come back, visit. Um, I'd always go to like football camps in the area. I had a bunch of like old friends from the area, so yeah, pretty much just always there. Awesome. And then obviously that continued over to when you went to college as well, when you went to, to Penn staying in the area was, was that always your goal playing youth soccer? Like I want to play at the division one level or like how early, I guess my question is, did you know, okay, I want to be a pro at this. Like I, I love this and I want to do this for my job. Like pretty much like as soon as I started playing, cause I was always um, pretty, obsessed with whatever sport it was that I was playing so you know you from as early as like three four years old like I mean I was obviously saying like oh I want to be like Mike to my you know parents and everything like that but I genuinely like wanted to be like an NBA player when I was younger and then as soon as it switched to football like my focus was then like I'm gonna be the next Steven Gerrard or something like Mm -hmm. that was like from the age of I don't know seven eight years old that's kind of been the plan gotcha so as you got to like 18 17, 18, when that decision starts to happen for players of like, should I try and go pro now or should I go to college? Like what led you to going to college and what led you to choosing Penn as well? Yeah, so there was no chance I was going pro (laughs) straight out of of high school. I had basically hit a pretty nasty growth spurt at the age of, I want to say like 13 to 14. And in that time, it also kind of hit like, I want to say like a little rebellious stage in my life and I was like I don't know if I want to like play football anymore I was like thinking about even switching back to basketball or something like that so for about a year a year and a half I want to say um while we had this was our second stint in Russia I lived there twice so first time five years the second time for two years so during that second stint of the two years I was playing very very little um so when I at the age of like 14 15 I was like 
I was pretty far behind a lot of my peers. Like at the age of, I want to say, you know, 10, 11, 12, I was one of the best in the area. And then I came back at the age of 14, 15, and I was one of the worst. Like mm. it was, it was, it was pretty difficult. So I really had to work pretty hard. So, you know, I didn't even make an academy team until I was 16 years old. You know, I was the, one of the only kids that the, I went to the Philadelphia like unions, like academy from the first year, I was the only kid that didn't get into the academy that year. Oh, okay. And in the in the second year, um, I was like one of the few kids that wasn't even on an academy team. I was on a pre-academy team. So it was pretty uh, like it wasn't great. Um, and I just knew like, all right, I'm going to have to go through college. Um, and so that's kind of when the decision started forming around, like when I was just about to go into 11th grade. Uh, I was about I was 15 years old going into 11th grade. So. Um, I started to think about which colleges I wanted to go to. Obviously, my parents had pretty big um, expectations in terms of uh, the academic side of things. Like they didn't want me going to a bad school academically. So I put in a lot of effort. I mean, a lot of effort in terms of contacting coaches and reaching out and sending CV. And, you know, like early, early on, I actually in the first six games of the academy season of the U16 academy season, I scored six goals. So immediately, you know, you start getting like letters. Yeah, and then you're on the radar. Oh, like I got a phone call from the Stanford coach because I had submitted like uh, from the Stanford assistant coach because I submitted something. But then, you know, after a couple of weeks, that like quickly fell apart, you know, like they just stopped calling you. And, you know, it just kind of, it's kind of like a circle with college. So the way it worked was um, at some point, I want to say like maybe midway through my junior year, um, you know, I got contacted by Penn's head coach, Rudy Fuller. And he, you know, expressed interest in me and that, you know, they're following me and, you know, they like my character and, uh, you know, the way that I play. Um, so that was nice. And, you know, we continued to stay in contact. And then about, uh, I want to say like sometime toward the end of my junior year, actually, I got, uh, I started talking with the, the Georgetown coach, the okay. assistant coach, and I asked him to come to our game against DC United. And I scored in like the first five minutes of that game, you know, kind of just like lucky. And I had a pretty good game. And, uh after that game like Georgetown was pretty interested in me too and I was actually very very close to committing there but uh you know not just not to go into too many specifics it just like didn't work out um immediately at that time and the next game I had a nasty sprain in my ankle that kept me out for the rest of the season so by the time the end of the season came uh I pretty much had um like a couple choices. I mean, it was still kind of between Georgetown and Penn towards the end of it. Mm-hmm. But for me, my biggest decision going in was where will I get, where do I feel like they believe in me the most and where do I think I'll get the best chance to play immediately. And that was at Penn. Cause you know, Georgetown is a big program and everything like that. But I thought Penn had a pretty good program. It's close to home. Um, you know, it, it's great academically, obviously. So, uh, you know, you could, I couldn't really go wrong with it. And I was able to play like right out of the gate. So that was the yeah. best thing. Yeah, absolutely. And in the brief time that I was a college coach and and when I talked to younger players, I think what you said is a lot of what I try and relay to players as well is finding the things that are most important to you and then picking the schools that kind of align with your values. You know, don't just pick the biggest name school because it's the biggest name school. If if you really value playing time or you value the academics, like you have to find what's going to be a perfect fit like for you and also for the coaching staff as well. And like you said, you want someone that's showing interest in you and, and believes in you. And, 
you know, for someone like me who played at the division two level, I can, I can relate to what it takes to play soccer at a high level, but not at the same way as the division one level. Like how would you describe what it's like being at a division one level? And not only that being at an Ivy league where the academic piece is probably even more intense than anywhere else in the country. Yeah. I mean, I'd be honest, like I'm not a big fan of college soccer like in general no I I I, I, I had a I had a pretty like bad experience with it I want to say in that um I never really like adapted well to the style of game that was there I mean college soccer at least when I was playing Mm -hmm. um and the kinds of teams we were playing against uh it felt a lot of the time like there was very little like actual football being played and a lot more kind of like of an athletic game so I really really struggled that first season I remember like I came in I was 17 I was like 170 pounds soaking wet even though I was you know six two and a half so I'm just this like tall but like skinny kind of kid um you know I had a little bit of pace on me I had some good dribbling ability and you know some finishing ability and everything but I was just kind of like not ready for for that kind of just condensed season, the yep. intense preseason, like managing the academics with it, managing the social aspects. Like it was, it was really difficult for me. And to be honest, by like the end of that first season, I was like ready to like quit. I was like, yeah, I don't like think that, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think like I'm, I'm able to like do this. Um, But luckily I'm, I just took like the winter break kind of, uh, kind of off oh by the way you asked about the academics I should mention that I would say with Ivy Leagues the hardest part is getting into the school and once you're in it's probably not much different than many other schools I mean I can't say I noticed I mean to be honest like my 11th grade year at high school felt more difficult than my couple of years at Penn <laughs> yeah because you're there. prepping for everything and taking the SAT yeah and all that. yeah exactly um but uh but yeah like I was lucky that uh, I kind of I took a winter that winter break and I just completely didn't I didn't touch a football for the entire month I went up to like my cousin's cottage we just snowboarded all winter just had a good time relaxed and basically it just kind of reset my brain it gave me the break that I needed and I came back in that spring with kind of like a new motivation a little bit of more confidence I guess um a little more maturity and and I have to give a lot of credit to uh to the assistant coach who's now the head coach there uh coach brian gill because uh i mean he and i had a conversation very very early on he asked me he's like you know what's your goal with this and i'm like listen like i, I want to go pro like that's that's my goal and uh and he's like all right that's great like uh did you go for a run this weekend and i was like no i didn't go for a run this weekend he's like all right well you can sit there and you can tell me you want to go pro and you can tell me you want to do you know big things but none of it's gonna work if you're not gonna put the work in and from that moment on it's just like a switch in me just kind of flicked and all of a sudden I'm doing insane amounts of extra work and all this stuff and it it really started to show in training sessions like I felt personally like I was starting to do really 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 well during our trainings and I was scoring you know five you know three to four or five goals you know depending on the type of training and everything and Mm -hmm. that that spring was when I really started to feel like I was I made like a big a big leap uh, in my game so it's interesting how you say 
and maybe after the fall season, it almost seemed like you needed a break from the game because you felt like burnt out by it. And then by the time you were ending the year, you kind of felt rejuvenated again and like, and feeling like you were flying kind of in the opposite yeah. direction. Did that then lead, did you continue and play your sophomore year? Was that when you went over to, to Ukraine to kind of start the, the pro side of things? Yeah. So the story with Ukraine is actually so strange and no one like really ever understands like how it happened, but I was, uh, this, I, I was basically starting to do really well in our training sessions. And I called my dad one day. I'm like, dad, like, I feel really good. Spring break is coming up. You know, all my friends, they're planning to go, you know, to on vacation or going yep. to Mexico, Miami, whatever on spring break. I'm like, is there any chance we can find any single team in Europe that I can go and train? Like, I want, I just want a team in Europe that I can train. He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know a team, but we can figure it out. <laughs> so my dad calls my grandpa, who's from Ukraine, who lives in, who at the time lived in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandpa doesn't know anyone naturally. So my grandpa starts asking around and happens to run into my dad's youth basketball coach. My grandpa explains to this guy, like kind of like a little bit about my dad, you know, talks about me a little bit, says, well, I have this, this grandson, he plays football, he's looking for this team or whatever. And that guy goes, oh, I have a connection at this one club. Uh, he tell him to come over, we'll set it up, he can go and train. Mm-hmm. So his connection turned out to be with like some, I don't know, like academy coach or something like that at this club. In any case, I show up in Ukraine um during spring break first day the next morning uh so i arrive at night the next morning the first team has a friendly game the first team of this club obolon that i'm at supposedly for training i'm supposed to train with their second team uh with their reserve team so we go to the game and afterwards my my grandpa had kind of this like way of talking um with people or he just kind of he was very friendly and people were just kind of open to him so he starts talking with this one guy and the guy mentions he's like the director of the club and keep in mind this is a friendly match so there's really like nobody watching this game yeah like no one nobody goes to friendly matches uh especially in ukraine because this was a this was at this was at the club's training ground so this wasn't yeah. like an open in the stadium friendly so we're like the only two people not from the club that are there <laughs> so people are probably looking at you like what are you even doing here <laughs> yeah exactly and so this director starts talking to my grandpa and my grandpa's like oh yeah like this is the player like rms he's come here to to train with your reserve team and the guy goes we don't have any player that's from canada that's supposed to be coming to our reserve team and i'm like i don't know how but i guess through kind of just talking with my grandpa like the guy was like, all right, well, listen, uh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Tomorrow, the second team has a, has a match. We'll just put him in the game and we'll, we'll watch him. And like, I didn't even think I was going for a trial at this point. I literally just wanted to go and train. Yeah. Now I'm being like put in the game. I was not expecting any of this. And like, you always have like this kind of like idea that, oh man, if I ever get that chance, like I'm going to like do my best and everything. And you know, the night before you're like thinking about it and everything, but I like wasn't in that state because I, I still thought it was just training. I never thought they were looking at me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we go into this game and I just like, I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I just smoked the other team. Like I had two goals. I had two goals and an assist. And my second goal, it was, um, I took the ball. I beat like three dudes and rifled a shot upper 90 from outside the box. And apparently at that moment, the coach of the second team turns around to my grandpa who's watching and goes like, who's that? <laughs> Like, who is that kid? Yeah. 
immediately recommended me to the first team. And by the end of that week, I had been offered a contract. Wow. So I got offered the contract spring of my freshman year. Mm -hmm. I didn't sign until the end of that year, until midway through my sophomore year, basically. Mm -hmm. I didn't sign a contract. There's a number of reasons for that. I mean, we can go into that uh, if you want, but. Uh, well, did yeah, you, did you happened. like, what was your thought process on it? Was it like you were still hesitant about leaving college or, or. Oh, when, when I first, when my grandpa, like, cause it was so strange. Cause like I played this one friendly game with the second team. I then train a couple of, there's like one or two training sessions then. And then like the next day, that first team has another friendly game. And then I played like 20 minutes in that game. I don't, I think I might've touched the ball like twice, but after that game, they're like, that's enough like for us to at least sign him like to the first team. He's young. He's, you know, 18 years old. Mm -hmm. He'll 100% develop into a player on the team. And so, so uh, when, like when my grandpa like spoke with the guy, I had no clue like that there would be a conversation about, yeah, they're ready to sign you. Like I was yeah. just thinking like they were going to be like, yeah, he's good. He needs to work on this area and this area. But my grandpa comes over to me. He's like, yeah, so uh, they're ready to sign you. I'm like, ready to sign me. Like, what are you talking about? They're ready to sign me. <laughs> I didn't even know that's um, what I was here for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I was like ecstatic. I'm like, I'm like, I'm in, like I'm going pro. But part of me was also like, you know, I'm talking with my dad, obviously I need to finish out this year and it's, you know, it's kind of a big decision. So there's a number of factors that go into it. You know, I'd be 18 years old. I'd be moving. Obviously my grandpa lived and my grandparents, they were living in Kiev at the time. Um, but, you know, I'd still be on my own more or less. Like I wouldn't be living with them. I'd be, you know, in a, in a place the club has put me up in. I'd be on my own, you know, playing, mm -hmm. playing man's football. I've just adapted to, you know, college football, sort of like just yeah. short training sessions, not even to the games yet. And now I'm already, you know, having to now adjust again to an even higher level than what that is. So, um yeah that kind of happened and you know it there was also um a little bit about like I was also kind of a little getting pretty confident at that point and we had had a, a connection with Glasgow Rangers from when I was uh much younger when I was 12 years old my American club went over mm -hmm. and I got to train with uh Glasgow Rangers like with their actual academy I was I think I was the only player from our team that actually like trained with them um and after that one training session, they said, you're always, well, you're like, welcome back whenever that mm -hmm. did really well with them. So I told, I called my dad. I'm like, do we still have that like connection at Glasgow Rangers? Like maybe I can go there for, for, you know, a trial and see what, what happens. And so we called the guy up and the guy like asked, you know, answers. And he's like, yeah, I mean, listen, like here, we can, we can try and set something up. So they set something up for like the middle of May. Okay. Uh, so it's with the under 20s are are already finishing at that point the under 17s are still kind of training so they're like just go and train with the under 17s so obviously it's like not super serious or anything but i go and i did well enough with the under 17s that the under 20s coach came to me came to my dad at one point during one of our like lunches and just goes we want him back for preseason with the with the under 20s mm -hmm. which is like their reserve team basically yep um, which was a pretty big deal. Like that, to me, that was like a very big deal that they wanted me. And I, uh, <laughs> I came and that, that, that week of, uh, 
July, I believe it was. It was this week in July between my freshman and sophomore year. And I can honestly say I've never played that well, like in my entire life up to that point, like in a trial. I was on fire somehow, like every single training session, scoring goals. I was out doing, like in my opinion, I was out outscoring the other forward. I was outplaying him, like, and I had players on the team coming up to me asking me like when am I going to sign when am I going to sign they they thought like 100% I was going to sign we go to the trial game and I'm started as an attacking midfielder and I didn't understand quite why because they knew I was a center forward yep um and my prevailing belief to this day is that because they had already so many center forwards at the club um a year above me and two years and three years below me. Uh, they wanted to see if I could play as an attacking midfielder. So, mm-hmm. and they, and they would have taken me in that. And I just wasn't ready for that. So I played, I wouldn't say like pretty poorly or not poorly. I just barely touched the ball in that half. Um, and then uh, in the second half, I got moved to forward. I immediately got an assist and then that was it. And then afterwards they told me, they're like, listen, like we really like you, but uh, if we were to sign you, we, you know, you'd have you're 18 years old already. That means you'd have to be close to a first team contract, which means we have to feel like you're already close to the first team level. And we just don't know if you're if you're there because we already have, you know, some of these other younger forwards and an older forward that we feel would be, you know, by the time they're your age, a little bit more prepared. I said, all right, that's fine, you know. But they said we really like you, you know. We'll like we'll, we'll recommend you to all the other Scottish clubs in the in the area mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um, after that experience, like, again, like I got so much confidence and I kind of at that point had decided that, you know, I'd like to then go to Ukraine. Yeah. Um, so then was it kind of weighing out the options of do I want to go and see if they recommend any Scottish clubs or like I already have this contract here that's, you know, signed, sealed, delivered in Ukraine. So maybe I should just go that route. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even the issue with Scotland always was that there's a pretty like in the UK to sign a contract there as a non-EU yeah. player is one of the hardest yeah. difficult. It's one of the most difficult places to get a work permit. And as a player that hadn't played any national team games, had no national team caps or anything like that, it would have been almost impossible. You know, the club has to sign you either to a big contract to prove that, which no one's going to sign an unproven 18 year old to a big contract. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, you have to be worth a certain amount. And, you know, I just wasn't, I just didn't meet any of the criteria. So it was almost like, even if Rangers had wanted me, yeah, it would have, it would have even been possible. Still been pretty difficult. Yeah. It probably would have required some kind of sign and a loan until I, you know, worked with, then gotten called up to the Canadian national team a few games and then it would have like worked out. So really complicated and all of that. But um, yeah, I mean, it really just, came down to then when I was going to sign the contract in Ukraine. And uh, uh, I basically, I got convinced by my college coach to stay for another season. I mean, they wanted me to stay for another, for the rest of my college career. Oh yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, But I was mainly convinced by this coach, Brian Gill. Uh, the assistant coach you know he was really his whole point to me was that already you know we can help you um with your uh development we can help you with your training we feel like there are some aspects of your game you need to work on you know before you take that next step 
Um, and we feel like we can help you here the best. You know, like if you go there, you might not be able to get the training and everything that you need to adapt to that level. You know, it'd be better if you're already prepared for that level by the time you go there. So, so, I mean, I, like, I believed him and, and I do really believe that he had that intention, but the way the, the, the relationship kind of with the head coach in particular at that time had kind of deteriorated a little bit, especially from my point of view, because uh, I mean, like his, his whole thing to me when, when I got the opportunities were that I wasn't ready. And to me, I felt kind of jaded by that because I felt like, well, if I'm not ready for that, then why would you even have me on the team? Like, yeah, as a coach or as a supporter, like I'd much rather hearing you say, uh, you know, okay, like go, like try yourself out. But, you know, at the same time, if you want to develop, like we believe we can still help you here. And that, that's like the, you know, again, like that was the approach the assistant coaches came to me with. And that's the main reason why I stayed, but about, oh, I want to say like four games into the, uh, I want to say it was like four or five games into that season in my sophomore year, I was just about done with it. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I basically made the decision to leave the team at the time. So I left the, I basically left the team. And I decided that I wasn't going to sign the contract. So we didn't sign the contract. And then, um, yeah, two months later, I had to, you can only sign and then join during one of the transfer windows. So I had to uh, wait until the winter transfer window opened because I missed the summer one. And then I went in the winter time. Wow. So I, I want to just take a quick step back because I'm really yeah. interested about, uh, about this like trial process for you because I'm sure a lot of players, that's something that they think about for trials for a lot of people are it's a it's an anxious thing you know it's a it's a stressful thing and I think what's funny about what you said that the trial in Ukraine is trials like that actually happen a lot more than you think in in the pro game where somebody knows somebody and all of a sudden like you're thrown into a match and it's almost that idea of like you just always have to be ready because you never really know what's going to happen like when you said you went to Ukraine you thought oh I'm just kind of not here for a vacation but I'm here to see Ukraine. I'm here to train a little bit and see what the level is like. And then next thing you know, you're playing in a match and you're scoring goals. And, and it sounds like for you, you've had opportunities where you've been in trials and you've performed really, really well. Is there anything that you've learned? And now I'm sure you've trialed probably countless times. So is there anything that you've learned along the way that really helps you be successful in a trial? Like, in an instance like that where you just are thrown right into a game and maybe a new culture, a new language, all those types of things. How do you adjust to that? Yeah, that's, that's strange. I mean, it's, I mean, I want to say it's like kind of like a job interview. I don't think anybody ever really like, if you're not super comfortable with a job interview from the beginning, like if you're not one of those guys that can just walk in and smooth talk their way through whatever situation, mm-hmm. then you're probably always going to have some nerves going in. And it's the same way with me. I'm always like a little bit nervous, of course, going into a trial. It's just, it's just kind of natural. You, even if you're the best player on earth, like if, if you're, if you're a little, it's natural to be a little bit nervous. So, I mean, it's, for me, it's like hard to, say that I have a coping mechanism or anything like that. The only thing I can say is that as soon as I have that first really good training session or the first couple moments where I like immediately size myself up with the rest of the players and I'm immediately like my confidence is confirmed and I believe that I can play with them. And if not play with them, then exceed, you know, that then, then I immediately like relax and settle down. 
Um, yeah. It usually it usually takes maybe like a goal or something in like a front in like one of the scrimmages or something like that, like inner squad or some or, or a good finishing drill or whatever, for me to immediately just settle down and be like, all right, I, I've got this. Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think I'm similar in that same way. It's like you almost need okay, if I can just have, if my first few touches are quality or like I can complete passes and then you kind of switch into this different zone where you are just, now you're just playing again and you're not really thinking about the fact that you're on trial. It's like, just how quickly can you get to that zone and then you're good the rest of the way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it kind of helps me sometimes too because when you're on trial a lot of the time, like players will not really say anything to you. At least like to me, that's, it's never really happened. Like they just kind of see you're on trial. So they kind of ignore you. And to, for me, that actually helps because, you know, when, when I like know players and when they're kind of like chirping you a little bit or something like that, sometimes that can mentally affect you a bit. But when you're like, when I go in there and I know like nobody knows me and it's kind of like my first opportunity to show myself, then I, I actually have like a lot of confidence because I believe that I can immediately show them that I'm a pretty good player. And then they take like kindly to me after that. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like you just kind of go in with no, like no expectations, no pressure. You just go in under the radar, and then, and then you're looking for that moment, like you talked about in Ukraine, where the coach looks and is like, "Wait, who is that?" Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now we've moved past the trial part, and we're you know have the contract, and obviously then we go to Penn for a little bit. But now we're in Ukraine. You talked about it a little bit before that adjustment to playing men's football is is really a big deal. And I think a lot of players don't really know what that's like. Was that the biggest thing was just playing men's football, like that adjustment for you or what what was that whole process like of adjusting to now I'm living in Ukraine on my own and I'm playing pro. Oh man, that it's like, it's like triggering like a little bit of like PTSD from like my first six months as a, as as a player. Like it was, Oh man, that was brutal. The first, the first, I want to say the first five, months of my career from like that 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 second half of the season when I joined midway through mm-hmm. was probably one of the toughest periods of my life it was it was ridiculous so I I signed a contract when actually that head coach that had turned around and looked at my grandpa and said who is that he had actually became the first team coach mm-hmm. midway through not midway through but but I don't know, like a month or two into that season when I signed. So when I signed, he was the head coach. And then, uh, but he was like an interim head coach kind of. So, okay. so um, they found a new coach in the winter time. So I'm coming into a guy that hasn't seen me at all. It's kind of like another trial um, in a way, even though you have a contract, like the coach can tell you, I don't want you anymore. And then, okay, you can either sit on, you know, a contract for yeah. two years and you know not get any playing time or anything like that and okay then you're gonna seriously lose development or you can agree like all right I'll leave the club and then you go and you try and find something else and you're back to square to square one so that was one of the biggest issues another big issue is I'm going to Ukraine Ukraine and America are culturally extremely different mm-hmm. language is completely different and mind you even though I lived in Russia for seven years I never learned a word of Russian so really? I so I, I don't know I don't I can understand some things very little. I can speak a little bit, but very little. Mm-hmm. So I've got to try to connect with these people. And on top of that, 
few of my teammates just hated me before like I like even stepped foot on the pitch like no matter what I would have done whether I had scored 70 goals in a game or whether I had scored zero they did not like me mm -hmm. and it resulted in a lot of at first like kind of just like bullying I guess you could call it but wow um yeah like they would they would kind of like make fun of me like they'd speak in like English and like make fun of like the English they would they would try and uh you know sh like in they, they would always be cussing at me like severely like on the football pitch you know if, if even if I make a good decision I'm getting yelled at if I make a bad decision I'm getting yelled at and cussed at it's mm -hmm. like you can't do anything right and you really start to especially when you're alone like where I was like I was alone I didn't I, I had my grandparents but but every day after training I'm going to my room I'm alone like I'm alone in my room like um yep. I'm alone like every day you know like okay maybe on the weekend I go and see them but and then we go for uh our training camp in Turkey and I'm again like now like I don't even have my grandparents I'm like completely alone there too you know so mm -hmm. It was it was pretty brutal. I got into a couple fights with uh with with two teammates that I had uh one of them in one practice. Um and another it wasn't so bad, but another one when we were in Turkey, the uh, kid tried to kick me in the face, like full on, like I was standing up straight, he tried to catch me in the face with his boot. Jesus. Um and yeah, we ended up with like my shirt was torn completely in half and uh, his shirt was torn like it was you know we had to be separated and everything like that and it was just purely like I hadn't even really done anything like at that point like I've played maybe two friendly games with the team up to that point and you know a handful of training sessions so mm -hmm. uh, I remember like I was there was a lot of tears during during those first five months but you know I always kind of went back to my roots to just just work really hard so I'd wake up every morning I'd go to the gym I'd work out in the gym. We'd go to training. We'd train. I'd try and do any extra training that I could do. I'd work with like the the goalkeeper coach who was also um, a sports psychologist. So he and I would work together a lot, improving kind of my mental strength. Mm -hmm. um, he and I would then also go into the gym. We'd start working on kind of my body control and my back to goal work with punching bags. So he'd throw a punching bag at me. I got to hit the punching bag with my back, control the ball just you know we worked on vision and, and slowly 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 like it started I started to do better in training it's kind of like the same thing with Penn like I just I needed that time to adapt and when I kind of started to adapt then I started like boom I'm starting to now score in training sessions I'm starting to now play much better play much faster and the first six seven games of that winter I didn't make the roster for any single game mm -hmm. um and then uh, I'm kind of like doing better, better, better. And then we have like a friendly game um, where the players that aren't really playing a lot are allowed to be involved. And I scored a hat trick in that game. Um, and the head coach is at that game. So I then, you know, I, I make the lineup for the, not the lineup, but I make the roster for the next game. Yeah, I, I go, I get subbed in. I have like 15 minutes. All right. I earn a foul that gets a guy a red card. I, I maintain the possession of the ball every time. I've earned a couple of free kicks. I didn't lose it. All right, now you get a little bit more time the next game. And for the last uh, four or five games, I started getting, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, and yeah, and the last game of the season was kind of like, it, it's it's crazy when I think about it. But that last game of that season, we were in a relegation battle at that point. And we needed one point at least. 
a tie. We needed a tie to guarantee we don't get relegated, to guarantee we can avoid relegation. And uh, I get I get subbed in for that kid that I fought. Really? That I fought in Turkey. And when he sees that it's me being subbed on, he's he, human. <laughs> he's he is so angry. He walks off the walks off the pitch. Like first, he does one of the like, "Are you kidding me?" things. Yep. Looks walks off the pitch. Doesn't give me any handshake no, or anything like not. that. And sarcastically claps at the president of the club who's who's in the stands watching the game. Wow. Walks. I don't know. Whatever. At that point, I already didn't care. Yeah. And I proceed to have like the worst 10 minutes I've ever like played like in my life. Like I lose the ball every single time. We're losing one nil at this point. And it gets to like the 92nd minute and I receive the ball. I play a one, two with this guy. And from like 22 to 25 meters away, I just, for whatever reason, I took like a kind of long touch forwards and I'm just running after it. And I see the defenders are starting to kind of close in and I just rip this shot and it just flies into the far like netting goal shirt comes off the stadium's going crazy I sprint to the corner the head coach ran and tackled me too like the whole team ran and tackled me uh and you know we we ended up tying that game 1-1 and avoiding the relegation and uh so that was like that yeah that adaptation to that pro game was one of the most difficult I've ever probably the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life including the cancer (laughs) yeah I mean listen I I can completely relate and and not the degree that you had in Ukraine but like I just talked about on my podcast recently when I was in Denmark that you mentioned right off the top like you go to training and then you come to your apartment and you're alone like and it's it's so much different as you obviously know now in Denmark the people are so friendly, like most teams that you're a part okay. of, every, everyone is like nice and will be your friend. And, and so many people speak English and all that type of stuff. So I can't even imagine that other piece of it that you have where you're going to training and everyone's cussing you out in different <laughs> languages and like you're getting into fights. Oh. I didn't experience that, but that feeling of being alone and like being just so isolated, it's, it's such a hard thing to go through as a person and especially yeah. as an athlete when you're trying to perform at your best day in and day out but I think to have that come full circle for you at the end I can't even imagine what that must have felt like not only to score that goal in that moment of course right there it feels fantastic but for you to know like what the absolute hell the past five months have been like for you to have that I can't even you probably couldn't even put it into words no yeah I I still like within three maybe within like two three hours of that game I had forgotten what had happened like I couldn't it was such a zone kind of like you're in the zone when you scored and then you hit like this crazy shot of adrenaline yeah you just uh, blacked out basically i reached this crazy high i blacked out like completely i don't remember a single moment basically from that game um and so yeah like it was it it was so it was so nice and and the best part about it was that the next day or was it the next day or two days later at the team party that kid that i had a fight with like came up to me and and right as he was leaving, he like kind of like leans in my ear and he goes, "You're a good player." Like, <laughs> and I was like, "All right, man, we're we got that squared away." So, yeah, yeah, we're good now. I yeah. I'm curious though, just was there ever a moment in the earlier months in Ukraine where you were kind of like, because I know even we'll get to it later, but you've now been through cancer as well, and I'm sure that was a hell process to go through. But was there ever a moment where you were like? damn like do I really still want to keep doing this like do I want to keep putting myself through this 
almost every day. <laughs> like there was during during the first during the training camp in Turkey, um, and like the, maybe the month right before the training camp. Uh, before I started working with the sports psychologist, um, I, I like probably every other day was like, I don't think I'm ready for this. Like, I should just go back home. I should quit this and that. Now I never was going to, because I'm just, I can't quit. Like this mm-hmm. it's kind of like this bad obsession, you know, it's just like, even like uh, as much as I was in this distress and like pity and agony and everything like that there was no chance I was ever going to leave and I always knew that in the back of my head but I'm still calling my dad every day I want to go home I want to go home like you know it's just it kind of happens that way but but there was never really a like it was always in the back of my mind I always knew I was going to stay like there was no chance that I was going to I finally get to the the pro level and then and and now I'm just what I'm going to quit like no chance yeah 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 I think it's it's a interesting mindset that I think and it sounds like just the way that you've described yourself in growing up it almost like I think I have some of these tendencies too but you kind of just go all in on whatever you're doing and there's almost yeah. no like escape plan there's no plan b or anything yeah just, I'm putting yeah. all my chips in the middle of the table and yeah. we're just gonna go and see what happens here what about you in Denmark like did you ever have any moments kind of where you were like I don't want to be here anymore like I want to go home or something like that yeah, man, like, so I was kind of different, because I wasn't actually playing at the pro level, but I was searching for a contract, mm-hmm. like playing at the semi pro level. Yeah. And I had some opportunities to go and trial with pro clubs. But I was just like, I actually, because I was just on the 90 day visa. Um, right, right. Like, I'm not an EU citizen or anything. And I, I wasn't with a pro club. So I, I, stayed almost to my full 90 days I left just a little bit before but it was basically because of that that you were describing like I was just in a place where I was pretty depressed and like the way that I was playing it was being affected by that and so I just I kind of thought like I don't know I just I need to do something different I need to change up my surroundings like I need to be in a different state of mind because I knew too the way that I was playing and training I'm like this isn't who I really am as a player and I'm not bringing my best self into each training session so yeah like that was I stayed for quite a long time there but I eventually left just because I was like this just doesn't fit right like something isn't right so you know I don't know I don't know if I would necessarily go back to Denmark but it was it just taught me so much about about the game and about that exact idea that you're talking about, about like just being alone. And I don't think people really get that when they think of the pro life, because they think it's this beautiful, glamorous thing. And it's like, okay, but are you willing to sit in an apartment in Kiev? Like, yeah. you know, for five months when it's freezing, like that's, it wasn't, that's it, it wasn't even price to pay. it was a hotel room. It was really? a hotel. They, they had a hotel basically and that they like own. And I got like this little room with a bathroom. That's all I had. So I had like a sing. I had a solo, like a single bed, like a twin bed. And I would just eat. Uh, I got lunch and dinner at the cafe, and then breakfast was on me. But I, would, I basically wouldn't eat breakfast because I was, I was like so anxious during that time. I'd always be falling asleep at three, four in the morning. Oh so, my god! Yeah, were there so, other players that were living there, or was it just? Yeah, like- there were. There were. I want to say like like three or four other players, although two of them quickly got told by the coach that like, they're not wanted by like, they're not needed and they can go. 
So then it was just like, I want to say like two or three of us that were there. Okay. And were you like, were they guys that you were friendly with or not really? Like, like, yeah, like they, like on the, when it comes to like the team and everything like that, like I was, I was, these were probably, they were very like nice compared to many of the players. I mean, they were also younger guys. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but one of them was just super quiet. Like he really didn't say much. He, he was just kind of spending like a lot of his time with his girlfriend. Um, and the other one, he and I, I guess were like a little bit closer and he was kind of in a similar position to me. Like he wasn't really playing much. Um, and you know, from basically he also really just didn't never make the lineup or anything like that. Okay. So did you I mean, stay on for a second year with this club then? Yeah. So I was there for a year and a half. Um, that second year wasn't much better. There was other issues that are going on that I don't even, I'm not even really, I can't even go into the details of all of them, but yeah, it was, it was extremely like, we got a new coach, new coach comes in, brings in a new forward immediately. Mm-hmm. So uh, that forward gets injured in the preseason. I managed to, you know, the coach, I, I, I'm like the top goal scorer and the top like goals plus assists, like, by far in the preseason we go into the first game like 45 minutes into it like at halftime I'm subbed out and I wouldn't start a game for the next nine ten games wow. at, point, at various points coach put just putting me in at right midfield uh like left midfield just places that I they weren't even like putting me in there at training like I was I was communicating with them the whole time too I'm like if you guys want me to play wing like put me in there during training like yeah don't put me a striker at training and then like in a game, all right, I just go right mid. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, I have no training in this at all. I have no clue how to play here. So, you know, I would try and adapt and I would try like my best, but I mean, it was, it was that second year was pretty difficult. Um, until I want to say like the, the end of each half of the season was really good when I finally started getting my starts again. Cause once I started, I, never lost my spot because we didn't lose. I think I only lost one game as a starter that season. Um, and when I played, like I was, I was doing really well. I was helping the team score goals or I was scoring goals. Um, and I was, we were playing like some of the best teams. It just so happened to coincide during the times that I got to start. So um, my performance has started to, especially towards the end of the season in the last four games, I think I had like in the first two games I started after the winter break, um I scored two goals and had an assist against the number one and like the number three team so uh, I mean like it, it that was that second year like ah it's like you need like 10 hours and me to have like retired and yeah to write a novel on it <laughs> like finally like go into the details of that season that'll come out in like a book in 10 years or something. yeah <laughs> so but yeah basically I stayed on for that year um you know, I was still improving significantly every single day. Um, you know, as soon as I, as I, I always notice this with my game. As soon as I stop doing extra training, extra work, I start to stagnate. And for me, like that's the most important thing is that I'm feeling confident. My confidence comes from my, like the amount of training that I do. So as soon as I start to feel like I'm not doing well enough or something like that, I just have my trainings. I go to the gym more often. I go to the pitch more often. Um, and so, yeah, that year was tough for me, but the more I started working, the more the results started paying off in training and then in games too. And did you also learn along the way? Cause I know you mentioned it back when you were at Penn and at 
maybe other points in your career as well. Like, did you notice that you needed that extra training, that extra gym work, but then you also kind of needed times where in off season where you just completely disconnected from the game as well? Or did you like, once you got to the pro level, there wasn't really that same need to do that. Yeah. So my ritual is that I give myself five to seven days at the end of a season where I don't do anything like no football I get to chill I can eat whatever I want I can finally enjoy like some food or you know like you know whatever fast food yeah whatever I want I'll eat it for those five to seven days I'll relax for those five to seven days I'll play video games whatever see my cousins see my friends um and once those five to seven days are up it's immediately back to usually that'll be during like an off season. So that's when my preseason starts. So we start doing two to three a days, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I definitely need like, you know, about a week, I would say like a week, a year, maybe, maybe a week and a half per year. So some four days, one, four days, another, like during the winter break and summer break, something like that. Yeah. I always felt like I needed that too, just because I feel like towards the end of a season, you get a little bit of burnout. Like even if you're playing well or oh, sure. you're playing well, like you just, not that you ever get fully sick of soccer, but there's times where you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's like the reason why I take that time off is first off because during the season, I take everything so seriously that yeah, I don't really give myself the time to enjoy like normal life, I guess. I don't, I don't have the time to enjoy kind of just hanging out with people and not focusing on football 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, yeah, it just gives me like that rest for, for four to five days. And the most important thing for me is like, I mentioned this a couple of times is I'm very like obsessive when it comes to football. If I don't do my extra training, if I don't, if I don't work out as like up to a certain degree and the degree is just set in my mind, like for that day, like if I don't get X amount of training in today, I'm not doing everything I can to accomplish my goal. And if I'm not doing everything I can to accomplish my goal, I feel terrible. Yeah. Um, like I feel, I feel horrible. And so because of that, uh, I can sometimes, and a lot of the time actually put a, a lot of stress on myself. So it's nice to take four to five days where I cannot work out and also be relaxed knowing like this isn't affecting you or anything. This is part of your plan. This is part of your off season plan with your coaches that you're just going to relax right now and then yeah. get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm working on that because I'm playing right now for a semi-pro team right. over here in this state. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild. And we got to change that here. And Manscaped's going to help you do that. So first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming. And that is because 
of their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400K LED spotlight. So no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower. You've got the light as well. Easy. And you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that weed whacker. The Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pregame rituals, you've got postgame rituals a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hop in an ice bath, whatever it is, you have to add your below the waist care to that. You gotta take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't wanna be playing 90 minutes and then you come in and you're sweaty and disgusting and you're not taking care of yourself. You got you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows, maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play, you know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal, I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip. You're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And I'm kind of working on like finding that balance between still pushing and training hard, but also not, because I got to this, that same kind of point too, where I had, I knew I, okay, I need to hit the gym every day. I need to do some sort of technical work, like some sort of fitness work. And so that's just the way you map out every single day. And if you miss like even a portion of that, you're going to bed at night knowing I didn't, I didn't do everything that I needed to do today. And it, it gets stressful. Like you said, at some points to always have that in your mind all the time. And obviously you want to push towards a goal, but sometimes it can get a little bit obsessive. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, a big issue and part of the reason, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get into this at some point, but I feel like really one of the biggest reasons why I ended up getting cancer was, um, because of the significant stress that I put on myself throughout my years of football to mm-hmm. constantly need to improve and reach a new level all the time. And if I'm not, if I feel like I'm not getting to that new level, if I feel like my career might start to stagnate a little bit, if I feel like maybe I'm not going to be able to take the next step or something like that, I like I used to be extremely, extremely like, I'd be like devastated. Like I'd be like in my room, like frustrated, you know, uh, lying in bed, like 
I can't, I don't want to curse. Like, I don't know no, you, you can curse if you want to. Don't you don't have to, but yeah, I just, I just be like, shit, man. Like I want to, like, I, I need to, I need to be improving. I need to be progressing. So uh, yeah, like it's really, really important to make sure that you're taking the time to, and you know what, that's one of the things about like living in the apartment and living in these like rooms kind of by yourself is that you have nothing to do, but to think about football. I mean, you can try and take your mind off of it by, you know, going on your computer or whatever. But at the end of the day, like you're in this little box and you don't have friends, you don't have anything that can take your mind. Like you can't remove yourself from football. I'm glad that especially during that second year while I was in Ukraine um, at my club over one during that second season that I was able to make friends and get out of kind of like the typical um, like football world that I was in. I'm yeah. able to, you know, go into the real world and enjoy and, you know, go to a coffee, like a cafe and just chill and have some coffee and just chat about stuff that isn't related to football. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's 100% what I realized was maybe kind of my downfall in Denmark was like, I would describe to people what my days were. And even, even though you're doing these other activities to try and take your mind right. off of football, it's like, you're still just with yourself the whole time and I always say to people like if you're not cool like with yourself like if you have some like demons or you got some shit going on like you're gonna find out real real quick because you're gonna have to face it and and exactly you're riding this roller coaster where football is your one thing football is what you're pouring everything into and you know you come home from a training session where you perform great and you feel like a million bucks or you come home from the worst training session of your life and you're like what am I doing? Like, yes, exactly. And, exactly. and so, you know, I'm, I'm telling people, I'm like, yeah, well, like I go for walks or bike ride or whatever, go into the city, like just try and do things, but you're still always thinking about it and it doesn't exactly. stop. And, and that part where you can go and meet somebody and just go, like you said, go to a coffee shop or just do anything and talk about anything that's not football. It's like yeah. so necessary to try and, and maintain your sanity. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So, uh, so we've obviously hinted at it a couple times here, but so now at this point, after your year and a half at Ukraine or in Ukraine, you're in Denmark, and then how long were you in Denmark before you started to have some issues with your health and you started to to realize some things weren't right? Um, actually, I was in Ukraine for another six months. So I was in. I was on one team in the first division for a year and a half. Okay. And then I ended up signing with the team in the Premier League and in the top league of Ukraine for another six months. Um, but with that club, it really just kind of, it was, it was a really good experience for me, a really good opportunity training wise. And, um, but I just like, I was, I was competing with, I was competing with like too much, I guess, like, like my, my forward, counterpart was the guy that had just won ukraine the under 20 world cup oh my so god he, he just scored two goals in the finals like <laughs> and, and was being looked at by like bologna from Serie A. like there's no chance they're gonna like win a spot over him you know even if he's like he had only scored uh and i'm not saying he's not a good player he was a great player but i'm saying his first half of the season he had a, had a rough time like three goals i think maybe two mm-hmm. goals in 12 13 games but he's starting every game because you know it's First off, he, he's a pretty quality player. So, you know, it was just, again, he just kind of had a slow start. He ended up finishing the season on fire, like 
10 goal seven games or something but yeah but yeah it was just it was really difficult for me to get ahead of him and and uh um it was difficult for me to find a place in the lineup um and so because of that i uh i had to you know, I basically had to take the decision like to to leave that club early, and you know, we just agreed with the club that you know I'll, I'll leave, and and at that point, I was pretty fed up with Ukraine too, like just mm. just in general, not not with the this doesn't offend any Ukrainians, but I was I was very fed up with the with just the football and everything here, and I wanted kind of like a, a, a fresh start somewhere, and I had kind of identified in my head Denmark always like in the back of my head was some place that I really wanted to go to. Um, and so I reached out to like a couple agents there and one of them got back to me and he and I developed a relationship. I went out there for one trial with one club, did really well. That segued into, um, kind of trial with like the super league club, Allborg. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that trial, I don't know, like, I guess like I just do well at trials, but, but, uh, it's not, a, like, not a bad to, thing to, to, to yeah i know it's, it's a good time it's a good time to do well like it's like oh i just always nail the job interview i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> no but like in the in the first in the first trial that i had in denmark uh it was with the team in the first division so it's like second tier mm. you know it obviously but yeah um for anyone that might be listening to this and uh you know it was in the first division and we played against randers which is a team in the super league and i only played 45 minutes that game but i scored Mm-hmm. um and then we go i go to all board and i was doing like during the first week and a half honestly i was doing like pretty decently in training um i was playing okay i was scoring goals i was i was i was doing all right i was definitely holding my own that's for sure like i, I wouldn't say that i look worse than anyone can't say i was like a superstar either you know we really good players on that team so yeah i'm not gonna put my ego like up there like that but um but then we have we're, i'm supposed to play a, a friendly game a reserve league game actually it's it's they call they have like a a league in denmark it's like called the reserve league where every professional team in the in the top division has kind of like a reserve team but really it's just the players that haven't played from the first team mm-hmm. uh, it's a way for them to get games minutes so we're supposed to play this team agf now agf at the time the first team is in third place mm-hmm. um and we <laughs> the day before that game their first team game gets canceled and we are all boards first team had a game. So we're showing up with basically the players at all board that haven't played plus some combination of their under 19s plus me against AGF's first team. Right? <laughs> and yeah, so I'm like literally standing there. I'm like, there's 35 kilometer per hour winds. It's raining. It's cold. It's Denmark in yeah. February. Um, Classic it's Danish a, weather. It's a nightmare of a situation to have your trial game. Literally at that point, I had already accepted this is the worst situation I can be in. There's no chance you get this. Just be yeah. happy, like that you're getting the opportunity, and like, like just go out there and do whatever you can. And within I don't know 15 minutes, I scored a goal, um, and had like a really really good game. Like I just I, I played very very well. I could have had an assist. Uh, the guy kind of from point blank range hit the post. So um I, I could have had a couple other goals like there was a moment where i i beat the keeper but the wind ended up blowing the ball then back behind me <laughs> so like i mean there was there there were there were there were some it was just a really good game and then kind of after that they were like all right yeah like we were willing to 
to to sign you at least on like a short term contract because we've only been here for two weeks. It's not a it's not enough time for us to fully see you, but you know we'll sign you with this short term contract. And you know if you continue to play the way that you're playing, then this will turn into something longer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I was in Denmark. That was March of a my I signed the contract towards the end of February. It took effect March first. March tenth, we have our first game. March ninth. Uh, March 10th, I have the first game after um, my contract to sign, or maybe the second game, and I've already now made the roster. I made the 18-man list. So I'm about to finally, I'm about to break, like, I'm finally making it somewhere. Like, in my head, like, this is the Super League. Like, I'm happy. Like, I'm even ahead of my, you know, plan. Yeah. My plan. Um, I literally had written out that I was going to go from the Ukrainian First League to the Premier League to the end of the day in Super League. I had that I had that written down on a paper at the time. I lost that paper now. But that was the order. Oh, real, that was that was the order. So I'm and I'm I'm ahead of schedule yeah. based on based on this. So I'm finally happy. March 9th, I I we we go in for training and uh and uh or it was March 8th that I know that I'm gonna make the roster. March 9th we're supposed to leave for the game or something like that. And uh, the government shuts everything down for COVID. So no games, no trainings, nothing, not allowed to do anything. And I'm like, great, this is a horrible situation. I'm like, finally just enough to make it somewhere. And, and now I have this, this, this situation. So uh, where, where the team is not training, they're not playing games, I'm not able to show myself. And how am I going to earn that extension to the contract? Yeah. So that was a situation that I found myself in. That's that's great. That's surreal though. That hey, you mentioned how you mapped it out like that, and then yeah. you're there and you're you're ahead of schedule. So then, summer is that when you started to have things happen with your health, where you needed to start to get checked out more? Like, what was that? What was that process? Did you stay in Denmark then during COVID, or did you come back to the states? Yeah. So um, it actually started while I was in Denmark. I started getting. Um, this really weird pain in my hip flexor kind of um I always felt like it was like a muscle pull and it started even as early as I started getting random pains around February end of January beginning of February before I had even uh gone on trial with all board okay and uh we we go like it would happen maybe once a week where I'd like walk into training and I'd just have this insane pain in my leg and I'm like what is going on? Like, why, why do I have this crazy pain? And then about, you know, 10, 15 minutes into training, you hit the adrenaline rush, it goes away. And then after training's done, it's gone. It's completely gone. And I'd be like, hmm, like that's kind of strange, but yeah, I mean, if it's not hurting anymore, it's not a problem. Then. Um, so, so yeah, so we go into this COVID break and I start during the COVID break, I'm working out like crazy. Like I'm doing just crazy amounts of running, crazy amounts of fitness, crazy amounts of uh, ball work, uh, not a ton of finishing because like again I'm having this kind of like hip flexor pain so mm-hmm. I'm just mainly doing like a lot of you know keeping myself in shape and everything like that um and literally like right before the team comes back together I'm walking around I was staying with the host family at the time because they lived right next to the training ground it was easy you know I didn't again I didn't know if I'd be there past the summertime yeah so um and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in their like kitchen and I just start taking a couple steps towards the stairs and I feel like a sharp pain in my leg. 
like a pain that I felt before when I had pulled my uh, hip flexor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, like, mm. but I was like, fuck, like, this is, this is terrible. Um, this is like the last thing I need right now, an injury. How the hell do you get an injury? Just walking, like not even walking, not even walking. I was literally turning to walk down the <laughs> stairs and my hip flexor pulled. I'm like, that's not normal, but okay, whatever. So I go to the club doctor, I talk to them, I explain to them the pain that I feel, the pain that I have, you know, what I think it is, you know, I believe that it's pulling my hip flexor. I've had this kind of before or a strain. And he's like, all right, just like take some time off you know come in here we'll do some you know rehabilitation work with you so i go you know two weeks later they're like all right are you how do you feel i'm like i feel really good the pain has gone away and like all right go for like a light jog around the pitch um you know it's like that's part of your you know process of getting back to onto the pitch so i go for the jog around the pitch you know not too much pain or anything like that next morning i wake up leg is on fire um and i'm like God, this is like terrible. So I call the club doctor again. And, and at this point, like I'm starting to lose like my trust in the club doctors because I'm like, do they like know what's going on? Like, because yeah. and and it again, like it's not their fault. No one expects it to be cancer, but yeah, it's nobody, never nobody, for nobody, nobody thinks that a 22 year old, you know, athlete is is gonna be the one that has like cancer in his leg, especially if it's a pain that they're that I was saying was feeling like my muscle, you know, like mm-hmm. but it, but it, at the time I'm like ah, you know like i don't know if if i'm getting you know if if they're you know doing the right stuff with me like maybe maybe they're rushing me too quickly back into training or something like that you know so that was kind of like what i was thinking in my head um obviously that's not the case you know they were doing exactly the correct things and they're doing all the correct uh uh you know following protocol and everything like that it's just it, it was not what we all had initially believed it was. So at some point we're getting into May now and I've now been out for almost a month mm-hmm. and I'm starting to now, finally I'm starting to bike a little bit. I'm starting to do some work. And meanwhile, the team has returned to training. I'm watching from the sideline. Everybody's asking me what's going on. I can't explain what's going on. I got a pain in my leg. Like, you know, players are starting to look at me funny. Yeah. Like, what is this? They're like faking injury or something like that. So, um, so yeah, so then it, it's getting to the point where I'm starting to feel good and everything like that. I wake up one morning in bed. This is like May 18th or something like that. May, I don't know, sometime in mid-May. I wake up in bed. I literally stretch out and I feel a pop in my leg. Ooh. And I'm like, and at that in that second, I'm like, first off, your season is done. No chance you're returning to play. The second thing I was like, I have to get back to the States. I got to see my, see my like doctor, my physical therapist that I always work with. Um, you know, I, I trust him. I know he'll, you know, find me the right doctor to go to and this and that. Um, so I go, I talk with the coach, I talk with the club doctor. I'm like, can you guys please give me a second MRI? And he's like, we, you know, and they were like kind of hesitant to give me a second MRI because, you know, I had just gotten one at the beginning of May, but I was like, please, like, I promise, like, I feel like this one's kind of different. Like, mm. it's not the same uh, that I had before. So, so uh, you know, thankfully, the club doctor um, was really nice and he gave me, like, he got me a second MRI. So I took the second MRI um, and then went straight home, like, with the images on, like, a USB, just went straight, uh, straight uh, back to the U.S. 
you know, agreed with the club. You know, I spoke with the head coach and the head coach like, listen, you have to understand. And the head coach, Jakob Fries, uh, he's not the head coach anymore. Um, I love that guy. Like, that's the best coach in my entire professional career, like, that I've ever had. Even though I never played a single game under him, the belief that he put into me and the way that he, like, kind of made me feel on the pitch and off the pitch, just extremely comfortable and, and confident all the time best coach that I've ever had um but but yeah you know I he he told me he's like listen the only reason that you're not getting an extension to the contract is just because you've been unlucky like that's it you have to understand like you you you've been good enough like like you've been good enough and you have the ability it's just you've just been unlucky with this injury now and you know uh, you know that's that's the only reason but you know if if anybody yeah but anyway so uh so so I go back to the U.S. I don't want to drag this out too long, but I go back to the U.S. and uh, um, I go to my physical therapist. He goes, you know, um, meet with this meet with this doctor. Uh, he specializes with um, what is it called? With ultrasounds, okay. and he also does kind of like uh, certain needling techniques and also like certain kind of uh, injections, like special special injections. Like he's very good with that kind of stuff. So I go to see him and he's the first person that told me the problem's not in your muscle, the problem's in your bone. And at this point, if I put even any amount of weight on my leg that isn't normal for walking, I put even a little bit of acceleration, like, like into it, a little bit of juice, it shoots with pain that I have for the next four days. So he was the first one to tell me, listen, your issue is not with your muscle. Actually, it's your bone. Your bone has an issue. And I was like, my bone has an issue. And even in my head, I'm like, there's no way this guy knows what he's talking about. It's my bone. But he had taken um, numbing, like a medicine, and injected it into my leg so that my muscles would numb. And I was still experiencing pain. Uh, he's, like, he's like, it's 100% your, muscle, your, your bone. Because on the ultrasound, I don't see any muscle issues. And uh, apparently, he actually had a suspicion that it was cancer. But he didn't tell me about that. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, I go through one more doctor. We do like a PET scan or something like that, a CT scan. And all of a sudden, this thing that was visible on that second MRI that I got on my bone, you can see this kind of half of the bone, maybe a third of the bone is 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 a different color, like in this one little spot. Um, and now in the PET scan or, or what was the CAT scan, I don't remember which one it was, one of those scans we do, they see now for sure that um, there's like something there. They tell me, oh, it's, it's it seems like it's a non-cancerous tumor. Um, it's a benign tumor, so we'll okay. do a biopsy and you know we'll we'll get rid of it and that we'll ablate it and that'll be it. I'm like, great. That's you know this little thing has been the problem. This non-cancerous tumor, great, like perfect. We go, I go for I have the date of the biopsy. I go into the hospital. And literally right before I'm wheeled into the into the room where they're gonna do the biopsy and you know supposedly burn this benign tumor off, the radiologist comes up to me, he's gonna perform it and goes, by the way, we're not entirely sure that this is a benign tumor. So we're gonna do the biopsy, we'll get the initial cell results back. And if it is that, then we'll go ahead and burn it off. And if not, then I'm not gonna touch it any further and we'll wait for the results. Jesus. <laughs> I go in, they put me under, and when I woke up, like, it was, like, straight out of 
a movie or like a video game where you're the first person and they've just like woken up for a long time and you're looking around and you're trying to figure out like where you are what's going yeah. on like you're kind of like blinking slowly and I was just outside of the operating room and had this horrible like I knew they hadn't somehow in my head I knew they hadn't burned it off I was like there's still something in there like whatever it is that they did the results came back that that was not a benign tumor I wasn't initially thinking cancer but I was like whatever it is is bad like that was my feeling and I'm like looking around and I'm like asking like like I didn't even take like a few seconds I was already like what's going on like did they do it did they do it like I'm asking the first nurse she's like hold on like I'm gonna wheel you upstairs like the doctor will come and talk to you and from that moment basically right before the doctor stepped into the room to tell me that I had cancer I had this intuition that I was cancer and then and then he he then kind of broke it broke it to my mom and I in like end of June I want to say so man I mean I, I'm sure it's I've you've probably talked about it so much at this point or maybe you haven't I'm, I'm not sure but what like could you even put yourself into that mindset of like it when they first say that what is is it shock is it is it surprise it like what even when you hear that word of like you have cancer how <laughs> what's the first feeling that rushes over you yeah i'm not able to play football anymore like yeah. like first the first thing like i didn't even know but to be honest like i was i was pretty chill actually like i was pretty calm first off because like i said like i had this intuition that it was going to be cancer so when he said it to me it just kind of confirmed what i was thinking mm-hmm. um you know my mom immediately like started crying and to be honest like as messed up as it sounds like i kind of started like laughing a little bit I was like, <laughs> I was just like, well, shit, like, this is my luck. I immediately started making, like, you know, like, jokes to my mom, like, oh, they're gonna have to, like, lose my leg. I'm like, this, I'm gonna have to get, I'm like, can I get, like, a, like, a peg or something like that? Like, <laughs> egg, like, I don't want to go, like, give me, like, something bionic. Like, I don't know. I was just joking and messing around. And I genuinely was like, that's how I was feeling. Like, I wasn't really worried about it or anything. I mean, I, I pretty, pretty quickly, like within, I want to say the first 30 seconds came to terms with like my life and potential death, I guess. And it was like, all right, like this is a possibility. Like, you know, you've done, you, you've made, you've, you've come, the thing I was most pissed about was I was like, I always had this dream of playing for Liverpool one day. So I was like, you haven't gotten there yet. That's, you know, but you've, you were on the path to it so you can be happy with that and you know like the, the worst situation for me was like if I had to lose my leg I was like what kind of quality of life do I really have if I yeah. lost my leg now <laughs> so when I found out that I wasn't gonna have to lose my leg I was pretty happy about that <laughs> yeah was, I'd say so <laughs> you know it's like it's kind of like a silver lining but I, I can't say that I was ever upset that I was ever like distraught that I was ever shocked I just, I had it and I was like, I got to deal with this now. Man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I think for someone like you as an athlete and other people that are athletes can understand that mindset of just like, I'm okay. Like you threw something else in the ring for me. Like now I'm going to fight this battle. But what was, cause I 
like I said in the top of the episode, I learned I've learned a lot about you because Zach always talks about you. Like he re raves about you, and he's like, "Yeah, like I'm on the phone with this kid, and he's like, I have cancer." But then he's talking to me about how he's trying to get back into the Canadian national team, like in a few months and stuff. And he's not even like really addressing the fact of I have cancer. And yeah. that's why I'm I'm so happy I was able to have you on today because I think it just goes to show that athlete mentality is is you know, some people may call it crazy, but it's just, it's so different than a normal person for you to, for you to have a doctor look at you and say, you know, you have cancer and your first thought is just, gosh, like you're, like you said, you're almost laughing and you're like, okay, this is just another thing that's been thrown in front of me that I'm going to have to navigate. Like that's so rare. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's weird, but yeah, I mean, again, like the, the first thing I was trying to figure out is like, how long am I going to be out for? Like, that was like the thing, like when I'm like, when I know like, all right, I got a pretty decent by cancer standards, like 75% chance of living. I'm like, good enough for me. All right. 75% we'll fall it. We'll fall in that. No problem. Like knock on wood. But then I was like, all right, I don't got to lose my leg. I can stay. All right. I got to go through chemo. I got to go through radiation. I got to go surgery. That's all a bitch. But, uh, can I still play by the end of it? All right. There's evidence based on, you know, there was this uh, American football player, Mark Herslick, who uh, he, he went through the same exact cancer. He had it in the same like area as I did in the femur. Um, he was in college. He was at, he was a projected like, you know, NFL draft pick. Uh, he gets the cancer his junior year when he's like a complete stud or, or maybe go just going into his senior year finds out about it, you know, like takes a year off, heals up, goes back, plays his senior year college uh, football, makes it onto the New York Giants, wins the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, there's evidence that this has been done. I can do that. Now I just got to figure out the timeline. All right, the timeline is like if I have 12 rounds of chemo, I have 31 days of radiation, I got just two weeks between each rounds, 24 weeks of surgery. I'm like, all right, I can be back by this date that's the date I'm doing myself. And from that, from that point on, like I was just motivated every single day. I'm like counting down to that day when I can get back like to training, playing, that's it. Like, I'm not even, I'm like, to me, cancer is like an injury that I'm treating. Like, it's not, it's not a life or death situation. Obviously it can become that, but I've already accepted that, like that it's life or death. So it's really not a significant thing. The, The next thing is like, all right, I'm going to beat this thing. That's not a question is how long till I can get back. What do I got to do? All right, let's, let's take it one day at a time, but, uh, you know, working towards this goal. Yeah. It's it's so interesting. It sounds like you almost took the exact same mindset that you had about your training and then just applied it to like this different, not lifestyle, but different way of going about each of your days. You know, like when you woke up every day when you were training, you knew, okay, I need to get gym work in. I need to get like finishing work in today, or I need to get fitness in today. And then it just changed like now, okay, I just need to get radiation today. And then like, I need to, I don't know, go for a walk or something like I need to take these small steps to just get me back to where I was before when I was training. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, the worst part about the cancer was just the fact that I wasn't allowed to, to, run or do anything with my legs that's anywhere any like in any way load bearing uh i had to walk with a cane for like the first two months that like really pissed me off you know it's just like like the the worst things for me was like 
you know, for example, if I was like, if cancer's in my arm, then I'm still playing. Like I would, I would yeah. literally play. Like I don't care that I have chemo. Like I'll all right, give me three days and I'm good. Like I'll be out there playing. You know, on the, but I also always like accepted the fact that I'm blessed that it was in my leg because I was able to find it so quickly. Mm-hmm. I never, I never really like held any frustration or anything like that towards it. Just like one day at a time, and and you know, exactly. I mean, not to say that chemo isn't a bitch. Chemo's a bitch. <laughs> uh, it's 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 not fun. That's for sure. So. Yeah, I, I can't I can't even imagine. But it sounds like like with the positive mindset that you have, and I know we've maybe touched on it a little bit before air, but also throughout the episode, were there any positives that you took from it? Like I know you mentioned it kind of made you look at your life and the way you were going about training and realize like, okay, I, I maybe I stressed myself to the point of this and maybe I need to to adjust. And I know you also said you were with your family for so long and you guys were all kind of bunkered down in the house, which yeah. I'm sure had its days where you were like, holy shit, when are we getting out of here? But there's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of good in that too, you know, to have that type of time with your family when you've been all around the world for so long and to have that time with them, like were those some of the positives or are there any other positives that you were able to draw from the situation? All right. Positives. This is going to sound weird. Most people, when they go through chemo, they like lose their, like they, they don't want to, eat anymore or anything like that yeah uh, i was the opposite i only wanted to eat junk food i could only <laughs> eat absolute garbage so uh like pizza and burgers that was all i could eat and that was fun like that's fun yeah. like, you get to eat that and the, and when the doctor and when like when my parents are like concerned because i'm literally only eating like pizza and burgers and they're going to the doctor like doctor is that normal he's like is he eating they're like yeah he's like that's good enough for me. Yep. As long as there's food going in, I don't care. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, like, all right, that's like a more lighthearted one, but of course, like, yeah, being around the family a lot more, it was, it was really nice. And the other thing that I realized kind of, and I mean, this might sound like, I don't want this to sound egotistical or anything, but I realized like how many people cared about me, like, you know, like it's, (laughs) why are you, (laughs) sorry, there's, but but I realized like how many people cared about me because you know I was so focused for two two and a half years um, on football that I like I didn't really have time to and even even before that when I was in high school and in college like I never made time really for you know to hang out with a lot of friends like I, I never hung out with a lot of people you know I skipped my prom to make sure I had a good night of sleep before like state cup finals you know like. I, I, I made sure I made a lot of these sacrifices. So I, I wouldn't say like, I never really thought that I had like, <laughs> this is gonna sound, I'm such a loser, but like, I never thought I had that many friends. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like actually though, like really. And so it was so amazing, like to see like, like, like friends that, you know, I considered close, but I didn't know if like, it really was close Yeah, that they were all of a sudden like, whatever you need and literally like if I needed something they would be there for me and that was amazing so so like it it, it brings up a really good point that again it's like this idea of the the pro lifestyle right like the the pro football player is and everybody thinks it's awesome but I kind of like noticed that too in these past couple years when I've been chasing the game like I have friends, but they're all in different places around the world. And again, like you don't get to see them that often. So sometimes you don't know. It's like, well, I played with that guy two years ago and we were really close then, but like, are we still close now? I don't know. And so, yeah, there's moments like that where you, 
I wonder like how many real true friends do I have? And then sometimes it takes something crazy like this experience yeah. to scare with your health to show you how much support you really have. Like, I'm sure that must've been incredible. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. And one of like the most touching moments for me was when uh, uh, I was watching um, a game from my old team here, Obolon in the, uh, in, in ukraine and the captain scores like this insane goal he scored from like half or something like that just this crazy shot and he ran and i'm watching this game just totally like we had he had just messaged me like a couple of days before that or something like that and i was like i'm gonna watch your game you know uh you know keep it up like i'm rooting for you guys uh you know hope you guys like win promotion um and he scores his goal runs to the sideline the camera like zooms in on him running to the sideline and uh and he holds up a jersey with my name on the back, oh, like, my, like my old jersey, basically. And he like held it up to the camera. Um, and then like a couple of weeks later in the mail, I get like this signed jersey from everyone on the team. So that that was really like special. Yeah, man, that's a that's such an incredible moment, especially to not be yeah. expecting that either. And then to just see that. Yeah, not at all. It was, it was, it was really, that was a really nice moment. So I was really happy. I mean, yeah, like it was, it was crazy. The amount of support that I had, I mean, I mean, I, I always say like to everyone around me, you know, it was just relatively like easy for me to go through everything. Like, it was probably more difficult for, for my family, uh, you know, for everyone around me than it was actually for me, just because I had all of the support. I had all of this like confidence and everything that everyone was giving me. So so yeah man so how are you how are you feeling now like where are you at in the in the process like what what's going on yeah like so uh so I had um I had a surgery back in February um because of the radiation uh on the leg that makes your bone brittle so you're at you're at risk of fracture just from walking around after a couple years so they have to put a titanium rod in your leg so um so I'm now like bionic I got my I got this metal in my leg, basically. Um, and well, that, that from the beginning, <laughs> you got to turn to Iron Man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so I had to, I had to rehab from that. That was really difficult. Cause when I woke up from that operation, all of my muscles had, um, uh, squeezed so tightly around the bone as like basically a protective measure. Cause there's like an invasion into the body that I like, I couldn't flex it. There was zero muscle. You could poke it and it was like jello. There was just nothing there, and I it was excruciatingly painful uh, for a very very long time. Just to, like I would be sleeping, and I would wake up at two in the morning, then I wake up at four in the morning, then I wake up at six in the morning. Like just, I cannot sleep; my leg is in so much pain. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a difficult, like I want to say, uh, period, because I was I was very frustrated, like at the time, because I thought that I'd be able to be back sooner. You know, like, again, like, I had this plan kind of, but then I also had to remind myself, like, listen, like, frustration, these sorts of things is what got you here in the first place. Well, at least in my head is what got me here in the first place. So it's like, relax, take it day by day. Um, and they, the PT had given me, they said three months before uh, you're back to training with a team. And within two months, I played my first game. So I was, I was happy about that. Yeah um managed to do that played my first game um and that was back in April so from mid-April to basically towards mid-May for one month I was in Denmark I was training with the team in the second division Tested. um 
and it was amazing for me like they were they were really helping me out um they helped me get back into shape they helped me uh you know get my level back up and I felt like I was progressing like at an exponential rate and the coach and I have been talking and everything like that but um but something just didn't quite like feel right there uh like I can't put my finger on it but um it it was like I just felt like maybe I needed something slightly different and you know especially being like in the situation that I'm coming from like I know like I have to do what's best for me so you know I spoke with the club and everything like that and after the month I agreed that you know I, I would leave and so I ended up coming to to Ukraine um so I've basically just been here I've been training with my old club uh Obolon actually um uh playing games not with them but just with uh like other teams kind of around the area uh and honestly I feel like I'm even better than I was like a year ago I I've been doing really well in games I've uh when I was over in T-Set I managed to in my second game I scored like back and my second time basically because I only played a half uh, I managed to score five goals in one half uh that was to be fair that was their second team so that was like in I think that was like the fourth tier of Denmark technically we were playing in um but it's still nice you know to to, to score and like be back and you know it's not like you know anyone can score five goals in a game so it's like to show you know shows that you know you still have the instincts a little bit and you know you just need to get the feedback and since I've been training and playing so much since I've especially since I've gotten to you I'm I'm a lot more confident and uh yeah now now I'm just getting ready I have uh I'm going to be going to some trials in Denmark or maybe just one trial depending on how it goes um I don't know where yet there's a few different opportunities but whenever Whenever I sign that contract, then uh, then I'll let everyone else know. <laughs> yeah, be right back into it. Wow. Yeah, wow, it sounds like almost the time away or all the experiences that you've had so far. Like how you're saying you feel like you're playing your best now. It's almost like now you're coming at it and you just have more clarity. You know, like you know yeah. what's more the most important to you. You've been through yeah. countless adversity after adversity. Like and now you just you really know how bad you want this. Like you know, there's a lot of players out there who say they want to be a pro. And I'm not saying that all these players like have to go through everything that you've gone through, but you're a great story to listen to for like a young player out there. That's like thinking about it. And it's, you know, cause I, a question I was going to ask you about that we touched upon later was, yeah. you know, when you're experiencing everything in Ukraine, you're experiencing hardship after hardship, then you experience cancer. You know, I, I've had moments before and I wonder if you have as well, where you think, okay, I knew trying to become a pro is going to be hard. I like, you know, it's going to be difficult, but sometimes you're like, yo, is it really going to be this fucking hard? Like, <laughs> like, it's so funny. Cause like literally when I was in the ninth grade, our teacher, our homeroom teacher was like going around the class. This is in Russia. Our homeroom teacher was going around the class and, uh, he was this British guy um he's asking everyone what they want to be um or or where they want to go to college and my answer to him was uh if I don't go professional with football then I want to go I don't know where Stanford or Princeton I think I said like Uh way in over my head (laughs) uh and uh and he literally he's like okay talks to the rest of class and then after class asks me to stay and goes like listen 
I have a cousin who like plays in whatever. I don't I don't remember the conversation word for it. The only thing I remember him saying was that being a professional footballer is fucking difficult. Yeah. Like it is not fun necessarily. Like it is, it is, it is, it can be fun, but when you're not messy or like <laughs> when you're not, you know, on that straight path to to sorry i'm not saying they have a straight path but i'm saying when you're there and you're you've made it that's different than when you're on the way to making it yeah or you know struggling to make it that's it's very different and you know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of insecurity you have to deal with there's a lot of challenges and roadblocks that you have to deal with there's you know people that don't like you it's similar to a work environment but the emotions are running 10 times higher because everybody's not like on an adrenaline rush all the time so yeah it's you know it's it's not it's not easy that's for sure like like if people if anyone were to ask me like like if they should go pro it's like well how much like hardship can you like handle like can you can you handle like can you handle difficulty can you handle uh you know maybe a lot of like stress and maybe a little a lot of anxiety but you know all all for this thing that you're chasing to be honest sometimes i like i hate it but it's but without it like i wouldn't want to be alive you know so it's that's like my point at the end of the day yeah it it, i definitely i resonate so much with with what you say I've, i've said to people before like in a way i kind of i almost hate how much i love the game if that makes sense because i'm like exactly yeah because it's like this thing it's like all consuming you know it t- it takes over your life and so there's times where you kind of romanticize a life where you didn't just become so obsessed with this game of soccer that exactly. will, will absolutely tear your heart up and like chew it up and spit it out sometimes yeah exactly and, and you know it's it's an important thing that you say that the game at those types of levels is not always fun you know it's not it's not yeah. like when you're playing youth soccer and you just think oh i'm gonna do this but i'm gonna get paid to do it <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and yeah when you're yeah yeah when you're when you're in some small little room that this you know club has put you in and you're surrounded by people who speak a language you don't know in a culture you don't quite fully understand at a level you're not ready for is like (laughs) is that are you ready to do that yeah it's that sink or swim moment like are you going to show up or are you gonna oh exactly and then are you ready to put in all the sacrifice that's then required to maintain it and continue and grow and all that you know there's i have plenty of teammates that in theory were probably more talented than me uh even when i was pro but it's like they never worked out in fact they'd be asking me like why are you working out actually like, it's not going to take you anywhere it's like i believe it will yeah and they're just comfortable you know where they are and that's fine that's fair enough for them but yeah it's it's a nasty obsession but you know i love it yeah it's like it's like an addiction almost but it's exactly it uh, isn't it it's a it's a better it's a better addiction than you know drugs or booze <laughs> i'll take it yeah yeah for sure for sure absolutely man oh man i i mean i could we i'm sure we could talk for hours and hours but i don't i don't want to keep you forever but uh you know again i appreciate you coming on and sharing your story i think for anyone who's listened they can 
they can definitely pick a piece or two out and, and carry it with them if they're in the game of football or, you know, they're just a fan or anything like that. But, um, you know, we're definitely you definitely have a fan in me as well. And I'm looking forward to see where you where you sign next and and can't wait to see you back out on the pitch. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you so much for having me, man. This has been amazing. Great two hours. And uh, I'm sure that in the future, hopefully, if if now you've popped off, you're you're I'm mean, you're gonna be US national team. We'll play it against each other. We'll do a quick little podcast. <laughs> yeah, a little pre-game, post-game type thing. A little pre-game, post-game podcast, exactly. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you to all those who uh are out there listening, and uh we'll talk to everybody soon. All right. Thanks, man.